1: For Cocteau and Jag Like Michael Walker Polanco and Franco. Mm-hmm.
0: our pitchers, the Fantasy Baseball playoffs, and Thursday standouts. Let's do this. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today on a Friday, September 11th. Frank Stanfield alongside Scott White, and I have a very important question for you. Me? Are, yeah, for you, Scott. Are oh, you okay. a fan of sweet and savory food items, the salty-sweet combos?
1: Well, that, w- that would be a broad spectrum of food, right, that's being covered there. I, I, don't, I don't see why not don't see why not. But do you actively seek them out? Uh, sweet and... I don't know. I guess.
0: Uh, why are you asking? This is oh, weird. Don't worry. You're going to find out a little bit later on in the okay. podcast. But I am a huge fan. Chocolate-covered pretzels. Uh, pretzels that are filled with peanut butter. I think they're both fantastic. You dip your bacon uh, in the syrup after you finish your French toast or your bacon, uh, your pancakes. Your waffles, whatever it might be. Sure. A little little bit more on that later on. I was thinking
1: like Chinese food.
0: All right. That can work too. (laughs) I love Chinese Uh, food. Chinese food connoisseur, Scott. What's your go-to item?
1: Oh, hmm. Probably Mongolian beef.
0: Mongolian beef. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever had that.
1: Ooh, you You're missing out. That's that's some sweet and savory right there. (laughs) I'm also... I also like from some places. I like pepper steak and general general so's chicken. Right?
0: Oh, that's a great one. That's, that's a that's classic. Sweet and spicy. Yeah, that's, that's a, a classic. One. Chicken yeah. and broccoli, of course. We've got mm. boneless spare ribs are great. Chicken and garlic sauce. A few of the establishments I've been to have curry chicken as well. That is just great. That is great. Yeah. All right. Enough of food <laughs> now that you're, happy, uh, you're hungry here on a Friday morning, afternoon, night, weekend, whenever you're listening to this podcast. But of course, as we do on every Friday show, start off with some two-star pitchers, Scott. And it's crunch time. We're in the fantasy playoffs, the head-to-head playoffs. We only have two weeks left in our rotisserie drafts, so we're trying to rack up some stats. We're trying to gain some strikeouts, come back in wins a little bit. Scott, who are some of your favorite two-star pitchers heading into this upcoming week?
1: So if if the cutoff is 75% or 80%, of course, there there's actually a pretty fine selection here. Sandy Alcantara is still rostered in fewer leagues than that. Michael, uh, Michael Pineda is. He has a matchup against the White Sox. They swing and miss a lot. Uh, Alcantara, by the way, is Red Sox and Nationals, so two good matchups there. Pablo Lopez, we talked about this after his disastrous start Wednesday, how probably still look to him in the two-start week. Philadelphia and Washington are his two matchups. And I I think I'm still there. Certainly points leagues, uh, if you're really concerned about protecting your ratios in a categories league, maybe not. Uh, Dane Dunning is available in more than half of CBS leagues still, as much as we've hyped him on this here podcast. He does have one of his two matchups against the Twins. Of course, the Twins only rank like in the middle of baseball and run scored now. So maybe we shouldn't be quite as fearful of them as we have been for the most part. Uh, Joe Musgrove might be a good time to get him active at Cincinnati versus St. Louis. Those are both fine matchups. Anything beyond that is is stretching it pretty far. I will point out that Clayton Kershaw and Walker Bueller, their matchups are at San Diego, so not good. At Colorado, really not good. I I think both are must starts. I have them both in the must start range of my rankings even though they weren't so great last time out those two scary matchups. Yeah, I don't get cute with it. They're you need to you need to ride those horses all the way to the barn.
0: All right, I could be wrong, Scott, because sometimes it just that just happens with the two-star pitchers, the way things that schedule out here. But I also have Davey Garcia, 47% rostered, versus the Blue Jays and at the Red Sox. Does that look like that's going to happen, two-star week? Because if so, I'd be pretty interested in him. I would, too. I have Garrett Cole going
1: on Tuesday in the sixth game week for the Yankees, though I have him as their two-star pitcher. Okay. Um, but you know, I wonder what things- will
0: happen now, because... Garrett, the Yankees got postponed on Thursday. So now Garrett Cole oh. starting the first game of a double header on Friday. So will that be enough days rest? No,
1: no, it won't. I think you're right. I probably need to go change that. So yeah, Davey Garcia, the matchups. Let's see what I have for Cole versus Toronto at Boston. Yeah. Uh, Davey Garcia is a good, good call there.
0: Cool. All right. Yeah. So we have some of the Marlins guys, Alcantara, Lopez, Lopez, a little bit iffy though Pineda for sure and Dane Dunning we've talked a lot about. Uh, I would rank Davey Garcia just ahead of Dane Dunning, but I do like both if you're looking to just stream both guys for two starts. I don't have a problem with it. Scott, I'm going to run through a few names here, and you tell me, yes or no, whether or not you would be starting these guys or or what format you would be starting them if you are. Matthew Boyd. We're (laughs) going back to the well, Scott. Even though we just told everyone to drop him, get rid of him. This guy stinks. He's going up against the Royals and the Indians. Yes. Good matchups.
1: It's worth noting. I don't want to start Matthew Boyd. I don't. I just could see how somebody might be in a position where that's their best hope, you know. If you if you have to shoot the moon right now, you're playing from behind. You need you need a miracle. Like Matthew Boyd is capable of delivering a miracle, but particularly with those two matchups. His his start-to-start upside is still very high in most leagues and leagues where I'm playing from behe- ahead the floor uh, that he showed us last time out isn't worth it to me isn't worth pursuing that upside but given that you know we're at a make or break point in the season uh i could see some folks needing to act in desperation and and playing matthew boyd is the kind of move a desperate person might need to make
0: i I can understand why someone listening or watching us right now might think that we are crazy. Because we just spent so much time telling people how bad Matthew Boyd is. And he has been bad. The overall numbers are terrible this year. But I am about to agree with you, and I didn't think that I was going to. I just pulled something up. I wanted to look up how many home runs the Indians and Royals have hit against left-handed pitching this season. The Indians have hit just seven which is twenty eighth in baseball. The Royals have hit just five, which is 29th. So mm-hmm. neither of those Good teams point. hit home runs against left handed pitching, and that is the biggest downfall to Matthew Boyd. So well, I agree I, with like, Scott. I want to reiterate because this is—he's not a must start people, by any people, means.
1: People don't get nuance. They don't understand context. They don't bother with context. So they're gonna—they're gonna go look at my sleeper pitchers. They're just gonna scan through the names. They're gonna see Matthew Boyd out there and you know if you remove all the context from it it seems like a dumb pick i don't trust matthew boyd i hope you don't have to either but in the in the context of what you may be looking for as a sleeper which is somebody who could maybe dig me out of this massive hole i'm in i think matthew boyd makes sense
0: i i disagree. I, I do agree rather excuse me, I agree with what you're saying. Again, like, I, I if it's just a 12-team points league and you have good pitchers and, oh, well, my opponent has one or two more starts than me and you're trying to match up start, like, no, that's not where you need to be playing Matthew Boyd. But I think in the context that you were saying, I don't have a problem based on these matchups. How about Ryan Yarbrough, 67% rostered versus the Nationals and at the Orioles? I
1: mean, I suppose you could extend it out further and to a certain extent, any pitcher who just isn't flat-out terrible. Um, might help you catch up in a two-start week. Uh, Yarborough was pretty bad last time. It was as a second turn back from the IL or just his first. He's been pretty bad since coming back from the IL. Uh, these are good matchups.
0: I think that I, was his second time, but I will I, I, pull that up. I I could see doing it in a points league,
1: but it's not. It's not a, a situation where you see these dramatic shift in outcomes the way you do with Matthew Boyd where he could strike out a dozen or he could give up a dozen runs, you know?
0: <laughs> All right, I was wrong. That was his first game back, and it was against the Nationals. He went two and two-thirds, allowed six hits and four earned runs. And one of those starts comes against the Nationals next week again. So take that for what it's worth. Scott, Mike Minor, I'll just ask, but I assume it to no. know He's at Seattle and versus San Francisco.
1: Yeah, I think that's actually going to be Luzardo because both okay. Luzardo and... Uh, Mike Miner are pitching Monday in a doubleheader, and I don't know why they'd give Miner another turn as opposed to Lizardo, so yeah. Obviously not Mike Minor.
0: Carlos Martinez, 56% rostered. He's at Milwaukee and at the Pirates.
1: Uh, no. He, he definitely needs to show something this year, and he hasn't yet.
0: Jake Arrieta is against the Mets and against the Blue Jays? Nope. Uh, any of these just stragglers? I'll throw the names out there: Kyle Gibson, Tanner Roark, Michael Waka, Taylor Clark. I assume no,
1: no, no. Um, it might be Ty. You said Tanner Roark for the Blue Jays, right? It might be Taiwan Walker instead, and that's a little more interesting. But it's still, it, it's still only a play I would consider in, in a points league.
0: All right. So actually, a pretty good selection for this upcoming week. Not too oh, bad. Oh. This is
1: one that didn't show up on your list, your list, but it looks like Dylan Cease is making two starts. And Dylan Cease are they both
0: against terrible teams as always?
1: No. Well, (laughs) (laughs) Minnesota and Cincinnati. Cincinnati Cincinnati's actually ranks very low in run scored this year, but I still I still think that offense is dangerous, even though it hasn't shown it this year. Uh, and Minnesota, of course, is dangerous. Um, though, as I mentioned earlier, maybe not as dangerous as we've been making it out to be. Still, it's not Kansas City. It's not Detroit. I would not trust Dylan Cease with those two starts this week.
0: That, uh, this is the regression week for Dylan Cease, I'm telling you, Scott. Yeah. I do not have a good feeling about those matchups. Neither do I. Alrighty, so we're on the same page, pretty much as always. Let's keep it rolling here. Some oh-my-goodness-gracious standouts from Thursday.
1: Oh-my-goodness-gracious! Good,
0: All right, Scott, you're up first. I am going to go with Brady
1: Singer, who turned a. You know what? Scratch that. Scratch that. Why? We'll we'll get to Brady Singer. All right. I don't have a lot to say about him, just to point out the stat line. Sonny Gray. I know we're going to talk about Sonny Gray a lot, so let's get into Sonny Gray, who was bad. For a second straight start, really bad. His ERA in those two starts has gone from 194 to 394. He gave up five earned runs in three and a third innings. Um, in his last two starts, really, uh, the controls just been awful for him in his last two starts. Six walks and, f- and four innings in his last two starts. Uh, if you're looking for something to be encouraged about, he's also given up. 11 hits in those four innings in his last two starts, but only two of those 11 hits were for extra bases. They were both doubles. So it's been a lot of singles, which can happen to ground ball guys sometimes. But it, does, it happens less when you're missing bats, and that's, what, that's what's really changed for Sonny Gray since the start of the season. His whiff rate uh, was great. Early on, last four starts, it's been pretty bad, and uh, the slider usage has gone way down too. That's that's normally his big swing and miss pitch. I don't know if it's just not he's just not getting the right movement with it right now, or what. I don't know if he's lost confidence in it for whatever reason, but he's not throwing it very much, and he's not getting the whiffs as a result. I still think because he's such a good ground ball pitcher. He should be able to navigate it pretty well till he gets it back, and like the the Reds have invested so much in pitching research uh, with some of the hires they made, I I expect him to get it back pretty quickly. Uh, I would not be benching him as ugly as it's been his last two times out. You pointed out before the show, Frankie's starting against Pittsburgh next time out, so you know he doesn't necessarily need to be missing a lot of bats to turn in a great start against that team and. And maybe it'll come back. Maybe the slide, that's the, that's the turn when the slider will come back and he'll deliver this awesome start. And we forget this whole two-start stretch ever happened for Sonny Gray. But it's, it stinks, obviously, how his ERA is basically doubled in two starts and all that ground he, all that, 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 as far ahead as he puts you in the ERA category early on, he's kind of lost all of that.
0: And I will just say, I agree with you first and foremost that we should continue to start him because going up against the Pirates, it's just, that's the slump buster right there. They are dead last and weighted on base average and weighted runs created plus against right-handed pitching this season. So I would continue to start Sonny Gray with confidence in that matchup. But you mentioned what has happened over the last two starts. He's allowed 11 earned runs over just four innings pitched in those last two starts. And he has walked three or more in four of his last six. So the command has been an issue, and I've noticed that his first pitch strike percentage is down this year. His chase rate is down this year. So usually those things correlate with walks being up. And also, I pointed this out to you before the show, his sweet spot percentage, which is on his StatCast page, and it'd be, like I haven't done enough research into like sweet spot percentage, but apparently it is the optimal launch angle for which the ball leaves the bat of hitters. And this year, his sweet spot percentage is up 11%. And his line drive rate is also up around 30%. So he is allowing hard contact. His expected ERA, according to StatCast, is like 3.91, and that was before today's start. But with all that being said, uh, I would still continue to start him at least... In his next start against the Pirates, and then we'll kind of reevaluate him after that. I, I feel like we covered
1: every single possible data point <laughs> for Sonny Gray there between the two of us. That was just a total stat dump. So yeah. make
0: of that what you
1: will, everyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so nerdy, uh,
1: but so worth it. A lot to take in. <laughs>
0: Uh, Yeah, hopefully people are just, like, jotting it down, writing down all their great notes. Uh, I'm going to go the other way, Scott. I'm going to go with someone who has been pretty fantastic this entire season. We're going to have an award show at some point after the season, and there's a good chance that this gentleman wins breakout player, breakout pitcher of the year, and that's Dylan Bundy, who was at the Texas Rangers on Thursday, seven and a third, two earned runs, 12 strikeouts, 21 swinging strikes on 105 pitches, eight on the 4 seam fastball, which averages, like, right around 90, 91 miles per hour. And this is the reminder, if you needed it, that velocity doesn't matter all that much when you have a distinguished pitch mix, which I think Dylan Bundy does, between his slider and his changeup, and then obviously bringing things back with his fastball. And he's actually decreased his fastball usage this year, which I think has helped him kind of uh, ascend to this level. But he's a top 15 starting pitcher in both head-to-head points leagues and Roto. And... He is arbitration eligible in the offseason. There were some rumors of him being traded. I can't imagine the Angels actually do trade him because they need all the pitching that they can get. I'm mm-hmm. pretty optimistic about Dylan Bundy again heading into next year, Scott, which you know we're going to continue to talk more about next season. But I think, you know, top 25, top 30 starting pitcher, uh, yeah, Dylan Bundy absolutely in that conversation.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I hope that change of scenery, working with a new staff in a better environment for fly ball pitcher. All of that adds up to him being, being, uh, being a changed man. And I got, I started to get a little uneasy about him when he had those back to back starts with four runs allowed, uh, in August, middle of August and the whiffs were down, but then he's come roaring back here in his last two starts and, uh, and that makes it encouraging all the more. We we are in a position where we have to analyze this stuff on the most granular level and sometimes it helps to pull back and take a big picture view. And uh yeah, hopefully I won't hopefully I won't have any concerns the next time Dylan Bundy has a little blip like that because of course every pitcher is entitled to a blip now and then.
0: Yeah, we've seen even some of the best. We just talked about Sonny Gray, Clayton Kershaw yesterday was not great in what seemed like a good matchup against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Everything is under a microscope. And I think this gets back to the conversation of, um, you know, context, adding context to this season, right? Like every start is under a microscope for a starting pitcher because they're only making, what, 11 or 12 this entire season. So it seems like, oh, well, this guy had a bad start. He, you know, completely messed up my team. Whereas normally in a, in a full lane season, that's one out of, 30 one out of 32 so uh, just keep those things in mind and obviously um it's gonna change hopefully next year we get back to full season and and we won't have to worry about these things again some news and notes Scott. the big news from thursday chris paddock was removed from the game against the giants at the start of the third inning due to a right ankle sprain uh his velocity, his fastball velocity was like 94, 95 miles per hour in the first inning. That dropped down to 91 to 92 miles per hour in the second inning. It's, I mean, we don't really have any more information than that as of now. That's that's getting pretty
1: granular, too.
0: That's yeah, <laughs> I'm starting to get um,
1: a little burnt out on that kind of stuff because it's, you know, when you're talking one mile per hour drop from one inning to the next, yeah. like that's, that's really not. <laughs> i digging deep for an answer. I don't know. I saw somebody like going, like really writing this really, I saw this article. It was like a really, really high strung look at what's wrong with Garrett Cole. You know, even though through this many starts last year, Garrett Cole had an even higher ERA and I would venture to say nothing's wrong with Garrett Cole. Just that, you know, you you pull out any nine-start stretch from a pitcher sample, and the ERA might be half a run higher than another nine-start stretch. It's,
0: I don't know. Yeah, don't maybe know. Cole sometimes. is just a slow starter, and that <laughs> just yeah. might be the case for him. Uh, just sucks again that it comes in in this shortened season. Let's stick on the West Coast. After being hit in the foot in the first inning on a comebacker, Dustin May was removed from the game without throwing a pitch in the second inning. And it seems like he has a contusion, and his x-rays were inconclusive. So pay attention to the news on Dustin May as well. Giovanni Gallegos left Thursday's loss to the Tigers due to a groin injury, according to manager Mike Schilt. Uh, Honestly, I thought he just left due to crappiness because he did not record an out, and he allowed two hits and three earned runs. So if there is anything wrong with Giovanni Gallegos, Scott, Who do you suspect would be the next man up in St. Louis? Well, uh, he left with the lead still. Ryan
1: Helsley came in and had a chance to earn a save. He ended up with a blown save instead and allowed a couple runs of his own. So I don't know that it would necessarily be Ryan Helsley. Andrew Miller is back from the IL, and he was the last one to get save chances before Gallego started getting them. So he's a possibility. I want to say John Gant. Number John Gant's numbers are pretty good against again this year. If they'd rather go with the righty, I think it's very likely it just becomes a committee. But yeah, I don't, I don't have, I don't think there's an obvious choice to pick up here.
0: Walker Bueller was placed on the IL with that blister issue again on Thursday. Not sure if you had the chance to see this, Scott, but there was a video that circulated with, like, close-ups on this blister on Walker Bueller's finger, and it was nasty. So I hope, look, just because I'm talking about it, please do not go out and see this video footage of Walker Bueller's finger because it was disgusting.
1: (laughs) Caleb Smith! how much you want to see something nasty.
0: I I just pointed out
1: that you should start Walker Bueller for his two starts next week. So I, uh, you know, scratch that. Scratch what I said at the beginning of the show about that.
0: I'm oh, and sure. I should have caught that too. I didn't. You should have, Frank. <laughs> I heard Clayton Kershaw's name. I didn't hear the name before that. <laughs> no, that's fine. I'll, uh,
1: I'll take him out of the two star pitchers and see if there's somebody else who's going twice for the Dodgers instead.
0: Speaking of seeking out like nasty videos, not that I, I'm not going to take this down too weird of a path. But, Scott, are you one of these people where like if you see a video of someone like breaking a bone or something? that you just can't watch it do you just look away immediately
1: no i have i have a strong stomach for seeing things i think i uh, you know if it's if <laughs> i might choose not to watch something for uh
0: for a second time
1: for moral reasons no Uh-oh. just like <laughs> that is something i just don't want to see, I'm not sure right. it's something that needs to be broadcast anywhere. Um, but no, like just a broken bone. That's yeah, it's not a big deal to me.
0: Oh man, I've just like I've lost my stomach. The older that <laughs> the older I've got, I just things that I used to be able to watch. It, it would be you know random stuff like UFC, like a guy kicks another guy's leg and boom, his leg just like snaps automatically. And there was like this wrestler back in the day, Sid Vicious, who jumped off the top rope in a wrestling match. And his leg just completely snapped. It was disgusting. Oh, uh, I don't know why I'm thinking about it, but Walker Buehler's finger made me think about that. Caleb Smith is starting on Friday for the Diamondbacks. Apparently, he threw 70 pitches in an intra game. He is 34% rostered, and he is at the Angels next week. Any interest in Caleb Smith, Scott? I mean, he's... I, no,
1: not really. I... Yes, I'm interested in seeing how it goes, but am I going to pick him up out of the blue and play him given that he has walk issues and fly ball issues? No, I'm not. That seems really risky. But a good strikeout profile, and it's possible we have not seen the best version of him yet.
0: This came out late on Thursday night. Zach Wheeler was scratched from his start this weekend because he has a problem with his middle finger. He got his nail caught while putting his pants on. Joe Girardi's response, you can't make this up.
1: You can't. You can't. Sometimes I suffer injuries putting on and pulling off my pants too. I don't know where I was going with that, but I had to finish this. I had to finish the sentence once I started it. It's
0: like Scott is day-to-day on the podcast because he yeah. he put his pants on wrong. <laughs> mm oh man All right, what else have we got here John Birdie was placed on the IL with a finger injury the best case scenario is for Justin Verlander to return at the end of this month according to Brian Taggart of MLB.com seems like Justin Verlander can be dropped I don't that's probably going to be late for him to too late for him to contribute anything Dallas Keuchel was placed on the IL Thursday with back spasms retroactive to September 7th maybe he can return with a minimum stay we'll see and Scott, I think we finally have the answer at catcher. Are you ready? I found it. Oh. I found I'm ready. it. Hit yeah, me. here we go. Everyone's gonna be thanking me for this one. The Rangers have promoted one of their top prospects, Sam Huff. Big power. Hit twenty eight home runs in the minors last season, but lots of strikeouts. Scott, can I interest you in a Sam Huff?
1: I mean, I could see making a play for him in a two catcher league. <sighs> Uh you know, and, and obviously upside beyond that. I my my enthusiasm was uh was modest for Will Smith of the Dodgers when he got called up last year. He goes on a home run binge and I get more interested, right? We don't know how it's gonna go at first. He might strike out his first date at bats. Uh we don't know how much he's gonna play either, but I hopefully a lot. Yeah, he's a name to monitor
0: over the weekend to see Sam Huff is the name to
1: repeat it since it's Sam probably Huff. not not uh, one that immediately comes to mind for people.
0: Uh, also, I didn't mention this the other day, but Daz Cameron was called up for the Detroit Tigers. He is one of their top-ish prospects. He came over in the Justin Verlander trade a couple of years ago. And he's 0 for 9 in his first three games to start his major league career. I assume we're not overly enthusiastic about Daz Cameron, Scott.
1: Yeah, his minor league career's mostly been underwhelming. He's had mm-hmm. He's had a... Few bright moments, but um, yeah, he's he has a lot to prove. He had two fourteen at AAA last year when everybody was going nuts there.
0: Daz Cameron, son of Mike Cameron, former major league player, correct? Well, I thought
1: so. His baseball reference page doesn't say. Let me let me double check that.
0: Eh, I, yeah, he's related in some way. Maybe it's not his son. Maybe it's something else. Is it his son? Son
1: of Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Son of Mike Cameron. You got it. All
0: right, well, we're rooting for you, Daz. Let's see if you can turn it around. We already spoke about Matthew Boyd today on the show. Let's move on to some of Thursday's standouts. How many Tigers pitchers can we drop in one week? Tariq Skubal, another one. The old Trickeroo. Looked like he was coming around. Eh-eh. At the Cardinals on Thursday. Two innings, three hits, six earned, four walks. That earns him. He
1: gone, he gone, and he gone, and he gone.
0: If you picked him up, assuming that he had a two-star week, I assume we could just drop him, Scott. Mm,
1: Yeah. I I was going to have him, actually, in my 10 sleeper pitchers for next week going against the
0: Royals, but not after this start. Fair enough. Do these things matter from Thursday? Brady Singer, you mentioned the name. Whoa there, Brady Singer. Where did this come from? Eight shutout innings, didn't allow a hit until the seventh. Two walks, eight strikeouts, 18 swinging strikes on 119 pitches. This is his first start going past six innings of all of his starts this season. The only problem for him, which is a bit a pretty big problem, he only has two pitches really. Fastball and a slider. He like barely uses a changeup. Twenty eight percent rostered at Milwaukee this week this upcoming week. Any interest, Scott? Brady Sandy? I mean, that's
1: a good matchup and this was a really good start. I just it mm-hmm. was it was so out of character from what he was doing in every way that I just I I can't really get excited about it. it. It just seems like an aberration. I think he did not show enough encouraging signs leading up to this start uh, for me to just trust in him. He, I, he needs to do something like this again.
0: I will say in anything deeper than 12-team leagues, I could see using him as a streamer. If I'm in a 15-team roto league and just desperate for pitching and I don't know that he would even be available, but 28% roster. He's probably out there in deeper leagues. I don't mind the matchup against the Brewers, 12 team leagues, anything shallower. I'm probably not messing around with that. Jose Urquidy. Does this matter? He was at the Oakland A's on Thursday, six innings of two run ball, three walks, only one strikeout. Meh, that's not great, Uh, but he did get up to 88 pitches. So he's ramping things up rather quickly here back in the Astros rotation next week going up against the Texas Rangers. I like that matchup a lot, too. 57% rostered. What do you think, Scott?
1: Yeah, I, it is nice that he's ramping things up. The walks, like, his two big strengths coming into the season were uh, really good control pitcher. That was probably the main thing. And so far, he's issued three walks in each of his first two starts. He has a combined three strikeouts between the two starts, too. So, he's... Hasn't really incorporated his breaking ball much yet. Mostly just going fastball changeup. So he's not all the way back yet. And even though the matchup is favorable, I, I think he'd have to be pretty desperate to start Jose Urquidy.
0: He pitched really well and he still wound up with a loss. Why? The man that we, was on the other side in this start. Sean Manaya, against the Astros. Seven innings of one run ball. Zero walks. Four strikeouts. Only six swinging strikes. How about this? On 61 pitches. He only needs 61 pitches to get through seven innings against the Houston Astros. That is insane. Looking further into the numbers for Sean Minaya, he reminds me of a better version of Randy Dobnak. Like Just lots of ground balls, 52% on the season. Not many strikeouts, but he doesn't really walk anyone either. He has pretty good command. Uh, but this is now five straight starts allowing two earned runs or less. The problem is next week, he is at Colorado.
1: Yeah, well, that's, that's one problem. Uh, the, the ground ball thing is interesting because he'd, he'd been, I guess, kind of a neutral pitcher, but definitely vulnerable to the long ball. He had not been a ground ball pitcher prior to this year, so I'm not sure where that came from. It helps contribute to his 3.73 xFIP on the year, even though his strikeout rate is low. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, that matchup at Colorado. That seems dangerous. It's just a, It's just been a really weird year for Sean Minaya. And I don't know. I, I could see it all going up in smoke.
0: He's something like 90% rostered on CBS. So even if you do own him, he's pitched well. I, I don't think you can start him at Colorado, even in deeper leagues heading into next week. Scott, does this matter? Madison Pumgarner against the Dodgers. Five innings, seven hits, two earned, two Ks. What do you think?
1: He's still throwing like 87, 88, right?
0: Yeah, 88.1 miles per hour on the four seam. Yeah, uh,
1: no, I don't. Just because he managed to keep, to limit runs to an extent in this start, and it's not, it's not enough on its own. And
0: No. Trying to pull up who Madison Bumgarner faces next week, and that would be at the Angels. It's not a, not a terrible matchup. How are they doing against left-handed pitching? Not all right. Not really great this year. Uh, deeper league start, again, It's I, I can't start them in 12-team leagues. Uh, someone that you brought up to me, Scott, I think when we were off air, actually, Jared Walsh recently recalled for the Angels, a former prospect of theirs. Two hits on Thursday. He hit his third home run in his past five games. Last season, he hit 36 home runs at A. He is just 1% rostered. I'm not saying he's a must- roster player by any means, but like 1% that should probably be higher. I think someone somewhere can use Jared Walsh. Yeah. It seems like the angels are trying to see what they have in
1: him. They've started him six of their past eight games. And you, you pointed to the ridiculous numbers he had in the minors last year. It's not really so much of a prospect. He's one of those limited guys who's limited defensively, but, Uh, manages to put up big numbers and very likely to get passed over. But if he does get his chance, yeah, maybe he'll make something of it. Christian Walker was kind of that profile. Not a very highly rated prospect, but put up good numbers consistently. Same organization, Kevin Crone is that player and he still hasn't really gotten that chance. But Walsh is getting that chance now with the Angels not really playing for anything and only Pujols in his way. And uh, I I mean, the main thing that stands out to me is he's hardly striking out. It's less than less than a fifth of the time. He struck out. Yeah. Obviously a small sample, but the strikeout rate was disqualifying for him last year. He just couldn't muster anything as often as he'd be striking out. So if, if that's something that he shored up, then maybe he has a chance to take off. It's it's probably not something that's going to help mixed leaguers anytime soon, but it's, it, it bears watching.
0: All right. Let's get back into the sweet and savory. This is what I was thinking. Tell me if I'm crazy, Scott. I want your honest opinion. If it feels like I'm forcing this, just let me know. Okay. From the podcast that brings you double and triple dongs, I want to use the term sweet and savory moving forward to refer to a hitter that hits both a home run and steals a base in the same game. So whenever that happens, we could say, oh, hey, Adalberto Montesi, he had a sweet and savory on Thursday night. I was trying to think of the best combinations of things in life. (sighs) I was going to call it a combo meal. I was like, eh. So I started looking into, like, what are the best combo meals from, like, fast food restaurants? I couldn't find anything. And I was like, you know what I love? Salty, sweet snacks. Mm -hmm. And this is what I came up with. What do you think, Scott? It's...
1: Interesting. It's an interesting play of yours here.
0: Scott don't um, like it. Scott does not like it.
1: Well, I kind of feel like we'll have to explain it every time for like three years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> People will catch on eventually, I think. Maybe. All Maybe. right. Well, email Maybe. us. Let us know. Or tweet Abby. me, Roto you, underscore you Frank. Go ahead, and go ahead and try it. See how it works for you. I'm going to try see? to own this. A sweet huh? and savory. I'm going to try and own this, Scott.
1: Okay. You ready? This could be your thing. The name that, Oh my goodness gracious, if that or bye bye. Or if that hasn't, you know, if neither of those have caught on, maybe this can be your thing.
0: You know, oh my goodness gracious has kind of caught on. You know, people will tweet at me like, Oh, this guy's the oh my goodness gracious player of the night. So uh, I think it has caught on. Let's go, let's do it. Let's make another one. The sweet and savory. We had a few of these on Thursday. Adalberto Montesi. I mean, hey, better late than never. He had a three run home run and stole his thirteenth base of the season. He now has a seven-game hitting streak with two homers and four steals during that span. He is 81% rostered, so I'm not sure that like, he's available anywhere. But maybe if you benched him for now, he only has five games this upcoming week. I think the point is that, Scott, Adalberto Mondesi might actually be coming around.
1: Okay, maybe. Maybe. is still batting two oh four on the <laughs> year. Um, the strikeout rate is still dreadful. And the walk rate's even worse. Uh, it's going to take a lot more than a bunch of one-hit games to win me over at this point to him as a hitter. I mean, obviously he has value because he's still a great base dealer, even as poorly as
0: he's hit. But, yeah, it's
1: my I, I cannot share in any optimism right now for Adalberto Mondesi.
0: I have him in a 15-team league, so honestly, I'm just trying to find any reason to get excited about Adalberto Mondesi. So if you're playing in a league as deep as that, I think you just leave him in your lineup and hopefully... He continues to do what he's doing right now. Ronald Acuna had a sweet and savory on Thursday. Uh, he is now up to 11 home runs and five steals, even with the time that he has missed. So, hey, we did our mock draft earlier in the week, Scott, and you took Ronald Acuna first overall in a Roto League. I don't have a problem with it. The last one, Tyler O'Neill. I don't think this really matters, though, but <laughs> he, he did have both a home run and a stolen base, so I wanted to highlight him. I don't really... Think there's anything to see there with Tyler? Oh, that was his
1: sweet and savory, huh? It, then he took an 0 for in game two. So, man, who knows? There's there's definitely a lot of power potential there for Tyler O'Neill, but it's it's the same. We've been we've been preaching that for like three years now, mm-hmm. and he's what's he batting on the year one eighty eight?
0: Come on, Tyler. Good physique can only take you so far in baseball. Ask John Carlos Stanton. How he's doing. All right.
1: <laughs> 192 for Tyler O'Neill. I was close.
0: Take a quick break here. Quickly remind you that you should be watching CBS Sports HQ. You can download it for free. You can watch it on your phone. You can watch it on your Roku, on your Xbox. You can watch CBS Sports HQ live on your laptop while you're working if you want to. Just go to cbsports.com There's a little tab up there that says watch so you can watch it there as well. Uh, and highlights, analysis, betting, fantasy advice. It's quite awesome, so make sure you download and watch there, and please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Honestly, you don't even have to watch. We would appreciate it if you do watch this, but for all the people that download and listen to the podcast, which I do very much so appreciate it, just subscribe. YouTube.com slash fantasy baseball today. Just head on over there and Hit the subscribe button. All right, when we come back, we are going to go over the rest of Thursday's action. There's not really much more to get to, uh, but a few other items to hit on and helping you set your lineups. The Week 9 Planner. Heading into next week, we'll do that here. Fantasy Baseball today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Early round studs being studs on Thursday. Not really much to add here, but I just want to show these guys some love. Mike Trout hit his league-leading 16th home run of the season. I'm pretty sure it still has not landed. He is batting 296 with an OPS over 1,000. I know a couple of weeks ago, his batting average like dipped below 270. I think we got an email like, Trout is not the first overall player. And it just like that, boom. He's still leading the league in home runs, and he's still awesome. Freddie Freeman had a double dong, and just like that, he is up to 10 home runs and 42 RBI. And according to StatCast, Freddie Freeman is currently the best version of himself that we have ever seen before. Even before the two home runs on Thursday, he was in the 95th percentile or better in expected batting average, expected slugging percentage, and expected Wobo. And then Trey Turner stole his seventh base of the season. And just like that, he's pretty much exactly where we wanted him to be at. He's batting three fifty nine. He has nine home runs. That is a 34 home run, 27 steal pace over the course of a full season. Trout, Freeman, Turner. I don't know if there's anything to add, but if you want to, now's the time, Scott. I think they're awesome. That is great That's analysis, it. and I appreciate That's, it. Yeah, I'm
1: not sure what <laughs> more to say.
0: That is it. Uh, the rest of Thursday, Jamer Candelario had five hits and two home runs. I believe it was two home runs across two games. Was it two home runs? I might be making that up. It was, yeah. He had a homer in each game. Okay, so just a reminder. I mean, we continue like we, it seems like we've talked about the same waiver wire hitters every single day, but these players are performing right now. He only has six games next week, which is not phenomenal. Yeah. But. Yeah,
1: only six games next week, and they second worst matchups mm. for the Tigers okay. uh, for hitters. They have they, they face the Indians' rotation for four of those six games. So you can imagine what their matchups look like based on that. And, uh, you know, that doesn't mean you shouldn't add Candelario, it, it just means, um, you know, if you're debating between him and some other good hitter, you'll probably go with the other good hitter.
0: Speaking of those Indians' pitchers, Aaron Savale. This is another one, just like a slap in the face to me. Ever since I said that I was going to rank him ahead, Tyler Glass now, rest of season, he's pretty much, you know, regressed while Tyler Glass now has pitched much better. So thank you for that, Aaron Savalle. But against the Royals on Thursday, six innings, four runs, seven strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes on 101 pitches, still solid, uh, but he has allowed four runs or more in three of his last six starts. Still has a 3.54 X fit. That's Aaron Savalle. And he has gone at least six innings in every start this season. So kind of strikes me as a points league specialist. He gets a decent amount of strikeouts. But I was out of line when I said I would take him over Tyler Glass. Now, I think he's still, you know, right around that top 30, top 35 starting pitcher range. Scott is shaking Unruly.
1: (laughs) Out of line. We got to rein this guy in, everybody. Frank is flying off the handle.
0: That's, Yeah. That'll be the next thing that we have to come up with. Like, whenever I'm just... Because I do have these moments where I let my emotions get the best of me. You can't play fantasy with emotion. And there are times where I can realize that I, I'm, I'm kind of flying off the cuff. Uh-huh. And when that happens, Scott, you just... You got to rein me back in. You have to be the one to just... Yeah, I, I think we should just do... Hey, it's Franklin. Franklin. Up, oh, and we just like whenever lost.
1: you're going off on something, I, I yeah, like half our audience just tuned out <laughs> because I I used I used the voice manipulator for two seconds. Oh, I can't take the sound of this anymore. Uh, My burning ears. Uh, I can't. I can't. Download some other podcast to listen to. Enough
0: of this. I'm just Sorry. kidding, guys. We love you. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but hey, maybe that maybe that is what I need. You know, when I start to say crazy stuff like. You know Trevor Bauer is going to be a waiver wire pitcher by the second week of the season. Scott, you could come in with the voice. Hey, it's Franklin. Rain mm-hmm. me, rain yeah. me back in. Rain, yeah, make in. it,
1: yeah, regular appearances from the voice manipulator. I like <laughs> uh, that. I Jack, like that. Jack
0: Flaherty it's on Thursday. everybody. <laughs> Jack Flaherty on Thursday against the Tigers. Five innings, two runs. Six strikeouts, 13 swinging strikes on 95 pitches. He has only gone more than five innings once this season, and that was on opening night. Is there any concern over Jack Flaherty, or we just continue to roll with him? No concerns over Jack
1: Flaherty. It, it's nice that he's basically up to 100 pitches at this point, obviously an inefficient start, but the stuff has looked good. And uh, yeah, I think you just roll with him.
0: Just your daily reminder, don't have many bullpen notes today, but Brandon Workman stinks. He entered in the bottom of the eighth. The Phillies were up 6-3 to at the time. With the bases loaded, he allowed a three-run double to Starling Marte. And then in the bottom of the ninth, he allowed a walk-off RBI single to Jorge Alfaro. I don't think that Hector Neris is much better than Brandon Workman, but I guess a situation to monitor. The Week 9 Planner. The first week of the head-to-head playoffs for most... I think some people might have even started this past week um, and we will also take some of your lineup questions so send these in over the weekend we'll answer these on monday's podcast which we record sunday night it's usually our weekend recap and it's usually a crazy because we're covering so much stuff from the weekend but i do want to answer some of your lineup specific questions so email us over the weekend fantasy baseball at cbsi.com put lineup help in in the subject line and we'll try to get to as many of those as we possibly can some single start streams yay or nay heading into next week Scott Spencer Turnbull at home against the Cleveland Indians
1: uh no I would not do that
0: how about Tyler Anderson at Seattle
1: Mr. Anderson I would not do that either
0: how about Dakota Hudson at the Pirates
1: uh That is, that's, that's a decent one. He, he, I wanted to include him in my 10 sleeper pitchers, but he didn't quite make the cut. However, I think that's a, that's a fine option if you're hurting for options.
0: Okay. How about Danny Duffy at the Tigers?
1: Also a fine option. If you're hurting for options,
0: Adrian Hauser against the Royals,
1: a less than fine option, but I think, I think a usable one. If you're, you're really in a pinch.
0: Griffin Canning at home against the Diamondbacks.
1: That's, that's going too far, Frank. Too far.
0: Really? I think I'd rather use him than Adrian Hauser. Well, it's the difference between you and me, Frank. <laughs> one of us is I a like winner. I like Adrian Hauser. <laughs> and one of us is a loser. We'll let you decide. <laughs> Brett Anderson at home against the Royals. Uh, uh, it's, it's a low-risk play. It's a low-upside play. You could do worse. You could do better. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Scott. Last but not least, Casey Mize at home against the Indians. We just saw what uh, Brady Singer did against Cleveland.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Now, Casey Mize has yet to have a start that would really put him on the radar for using in fantasy.
0: All right. Some hitter schedules for this upcoming week. Teams with eight games. We have the Brewers, the Phillies, and the Orioles. Teams with nine games. The Marlins, the Pirates, and teams with ten games—a team, excuse me, not plural—that would be the St. Louis Cardinals. But again, keep ten in-
1: games, Frank. You're undersell. I've never <laughs> seen any of all the dramatic things I've ever seen.
0: Of all the dramatic things I've ever seen,
1: there you go—a the, team playing ten games in a single week. That and. Three teams are playing five games. That means there's one team playing twice (laughs) as two weeks worth compared to the three that are playing five, which are the Cubs, Royals, and Giants. Uh, So I'm not saying you have to sit. Mike Yastrzemski, Anthony Rizzo, Ian Happ. not saying you have to. You you probably shouldn't. But um, there's a playing time disadvantage there. Also worth pointing out, doubleheader games in this weird year, Aren't the same as full length, I, you know. It's a it's a fourteen inning day when there's a doubleheader, so it's it's it, it, the discrepancy, the game discrepancy, isn't quite what it seems, but it's still it's still notable, it's still significant. Kind of what ends up happening is I think players end up playing both games of the doubleheader more often than they would have if they were both nine inning games. Um, so, yeah. Ten games. That's that's amazing. I think Brad Miller's kind of cooled off, but I think he got a. I think he's worth playing in a 10, 10 game week like that. Uh, Paul DeYoung is available in like thirty percent of leagues, just because he 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 missed like a month, and you know he hasn't caught fire yet, but he's been fine and he plays every day. I think he's going to play virtually. Maybe he'll play only nine of those games, but it's going to be time for him to do some damage for sure. I don't think Colton Wong's a bad play. And he's, he doesn't quite make my 10 sleeper hitters list, but I don't think he's a bad one. Um, and in addition to the 10 games for the Cardinals, you know, you got the Marlins playing nine, you got the Pirates playing nine, uh, Brewers playing eight, Orioles playing eight, Phillies playing eight. So that's, that's a nice playing time advantage for those guys too.
0: The Pirates are bad. Don't start any of them. That's all I'll say. Uh, The names that stood out to me from those teams, Ryan Mountcastle, we've talked a, a lot about him recently, Garrett Cooper and Jesus Aguilar, and then DJ Stewart, probably more so in deeper leagues.
1: All four of them, Aguilar, Cooper, Stewart, and especially Mountcastle. Mountcastle tops the list for my 10 sleeper hitters for this upcoming week. Alec Baum for the Phillies uh he's in there i do actually have cabrian hayes in there for the pirates
0: i was looking at him but he doesn't play every day
1: he has sat out twice i think he's you know he's he's hit the ball very hard he's 8 for 24 to begin his career and pretty good you know i think he's going to start at least 7 of those 9 games for them and there's a good chance he starts more than that okay um you know, he's 10th among the 10 sleeper hitters, so I could have gone about eight different directions with that pick, but I I wanted to shine a light on Cabrian Hayes since he's like 80% available. He's In a loaded week like that, he could, he could uh, be surprisingly productive.
0: You mentioned a few of those names that are playing five games this week. I would probably still leave Ian Hap. I feel like he's cooled off a little bit recently as well. I would probably still leave Rizzo in there, but like Javier Baez you really might be able to find someone better than him. The same thing with Kyle Schwarber. Uh, Brandon Belt, you know, has been hot over the past couple of weeks or so, but I I don't think that he's a must-start in a five-game week. Uh, Chris Bryant, another one who has really, really not been productive this season. So uh, those names specifically stood out to me from the Any fringes, I think you really have to consider. I don't consider Hap
1: a fringy or or Ustrimsky or Rizzo, really. I mean, Baez, I could get behind sitting Baez if you have a really good shortstop alternative. But like Wilmer Flores for the Giants mm-hmm. or uh, um Donovan Solano. Solano. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably probably can do better than them unless it's just a really deep league.
0: Uh was there anything else you wanted to add Scott? Any other sleeper hitters you wanted to mention or just let people find those on the site? I mean I know I know
1: as soon as I make any kind of real recommendation of Adam Duvall, it's going to, like, the streak's He's just going to cool off.
0: <laughs> I picked him up in my home league. Um, so what we're doing this upcoming week is our lineups are locking for the final two weeks, and it's just mm-hmm. for the four playoff teams, whoever scores the most points. But we start four outfielders in that league. It's a 12-team league, and it's a head-to-head points league. And I picked up Duvall, and I'm I, I think I'm probably going to start him. I uh, look, his matchups next week he he faces the
1: Orioles 3 times, so a bunch of bad pitchers there obviously. And then the Mets for 3 games, Seth Lugo. Okay, that's that's a tough matchup, but then David Peterson, Michael Waka. Like some really favorable matchups there for Duval. And like he's going to cool off eventually, but it's that knowing when a player is going to get hot and when a player is going to get cold. There's just no predicting that really so uh i think it's i i i don't see how i could advise anyone to sit him coming off the stretches on when he has those kind of matchups coming up you
0: know yeah you, you don't want to chase the production but it's something we don't want to ignore either i i don't think that he's a must add player in in leagues with three outfielders but based on those matchups they they sound pretty good so i i think anything a little bit deeper you know my home league, 12-team head-to-head points. We start four outfielders. You know, that can make sense. Anything deeper than 12 teams. He's widely available, so just keep that in mind with Adam Duvall. I wanted to answer some emails, at cbsi.com. This one's from Chris. While this question is regarding the 2021 season, it could affect the 2020 fantasy season as I may elect to trade away potential keepers to bolster my fantasy team for the playoff run. 12 teams, head-to-head categories, 7 by 7 keep up to four players each season with keepers filling the draft slot from the previous season's draft round and rolling up one every season. So the draft round moves up. Which four would you keep? Bellinger in the first. Castellanos in the fourth. Ozzie Albies in the ninth. Zach Plesak in the tenth. Kenta Maeda in the eleventh. Trevor Story in the fourteenth. Kyle Tucker in the sixteenth. Gavin Lux in the seventeenth. Will Myers in the nineteenth. Ayo, Henry Suarez in the 20th, Ian Happen in the 23rd, and Casey Mize in the 25th. Which I feel like you could have like?
1: narrowed this list down just a little for us. I'm sorry, Scott. No, not you. I'm talking to the email.
0: Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could have too, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. Ozzie Albies in the 9th seems obvious, right? Trevor Story in the 14th, even more obvious. Um. So those are two easy spots filled. Beyond that, I feel like
0: Maeda in the 11th.
1: Yeah, okay. So uh, it's between Bellinger in the 1st, Maeda in the 11th and Kyle Tucker in the 16th for me. Usually if it's if it's somebody if if it's using the first round to keep a player who I know is going to go in the first round, I do it because I it's very likely all of those players are kept with a first round pick. Um and you don't want You don't want to be the only team without a first-round type stud, you know? Um, But that's really good value for both of them. Maeda in the 11th and Tucker in the 16th. I think this is one situation, especially since I'm kind of projecting Bellinger to be a late first-rounder. I think I'd forego Bellinger. And so the four would be Albies in the 9th, Maeda in the 11th, Story in the 14th, who himself is a first-round caliber bat, and then Tucker in the 16th.
0: I don't hate Eugenio Suarez in the 20th either.
1: To me, there's not that much difference between keeping a guy in the 16th round and keeping a guy in the 20th round.
0: Yeah. And I think Kyle Tucker probably has more upside.
1: I mean, he's certainly going to be drafted higher next year unless, unless Suarez just goes bonkers over the last two weeks.
0: This next one's from Alan. I play in a 10-team head-to-head categories league in which you can keep six players that count as your rounds, one through six picks, the next year. First five plan keepers are Ronald Acuna, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Shane Bieber, and you Darvish. Oh, my, that is great. Players in consideration for the sixth slot would be Glaber Torres or Marcel Ozuna. Who has the better keeper value between Torres and Ozuna? Torres. Ozuna's Younger.
1: Um, You know, infield in positions are all pretty deep, but there's still something to be said for having a guy who, you know, if you lose an infielder in season, it's harder to find a guy to fill that specific place as opposed to just another outfielder, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, Torres is definitely the better keeper.
0: He also added, one of the teams eliminated from the playoffs have shown interest in Ozuna, and they have Giolito, Bueller, and Scherzer. Am I crazy for even thinking about holding on to Ozuna if those guys are on the table?
1: Oh, yeah. You're loco. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Giolito would probably be the one I'd go for. But it's any one of them for Ozuna, I'd do and and keep over Torres. You know, I was kind of, when I answered this question, I was kind of thinking in the context of like Dynasty versus a 10 team league where you keep just a handful of players. I don't think Torres is necessarily a must-keep in this format, especially if you have one of those stud pitchers you could keep instead.
0: This one's from Bill. Sixto continues to impress and is now entering my keeper thought process. I have two spots open, with one currently being occupied by Jack Flaherty at a good draft value, 20th round. For the other, I, ha- I can keep Plesak or Sixto at last round value. Which one of those would you keep, Scott?
1: Sixto Sanchez, I am very encouraged by what Plesec has been doing this year, but it's not nearly the prospect pedigree Sixto Sanchez has, and it feels more tenuous his his uh, his success so far.
0: Would you consider keeping either of Sixto or Plesec over Rafael Devers at a twelfth round value? which would go up to the 8th round the following year, and then the 3rd round the 2nd year after that. It's a head-to-head points league.
1: No, I'd stick with Devers.
0: So Devers in the 12th over Sixto in the final round.
1: Well, over Pleszak. You get to keep Sixto and Devers, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it came down to it, I think I'd keep just hypothetically for anyone listening out there. Uh, If it came down to Sixto in the last round or Devers in the 12th, uh, oh that's, that's actually a pretty tough call, but I think I'd stick with Devers, too.
0: Let's quickly hit some Friday to stream or not to stream. Some must-starts. Garrett Cole against the Orioles. Aaron Nola at the Marlins. Jacob deGrom at Toronto slash Buffalo. Blake Snell versus Boston. Shane Bieber at Minnesota. Kentomaida versus Cleveland. Lucas Gilito versus Detroit. And Luis Castillo at St. Louis. Scott, Brandon Woodruff versus the Cubs. He's kind of faltered. I don't know that he's still a must-start. Would you start him?
1: Yeah, I, I pretty much think of him as a must-start still.
0: Okay, how about Tanaka at home against the Orioles? I,
1: I'm still wary of him overall, even though he's has an ERA around three, but that's obviously a matchup that makes him worth starting.
0: Trevor Rodgers at home against the Phillies.
1: Hmm. Feel like the Phillies have become a pretty tough matchup, right?
0: Trevor I, Rogers is a left-handed pitcher, correct? He is. So let's let's see how the the old fighting fills have done this season against lefties. They are fourth in weighted on base average against left-handed pitching this season.
1: Yeah, mm. I was leaning towards sitting Rogers anyway. That I think that clinches it.
0: Fair enough. How about Chris Bubich? who is going up against the Pirates. It's risky,
1: but his changeup has been so good. His last couple outings, the whiffs have gone up. Obviously, a great matchup. I kind of like it. Not, I don't think he's must-start, but I kind of like it.
0: Mike Fires at Texas? No. Griffin Canning... <laughs> I'm not even going to say it. Hermann Marquez versus the Angels in Coors Field?
1: Um... If you need
0: strikeouts,
1: you need wins, you need just volume because it's a points league, then yes. Otherwise, no.
0: If you need your ERA or whip blown up, then it's also a yes. Johnny Cueto at the <laughs> Padres. Uh, no. Garrett Richards at home against the Giants. No. You say Kikuchi at Arizona?
1: You say Kikuchi. I say no.
0: <laughs> Caleb Smith at home against the Mariners. No. No. Alrighty, Another week is in the books. One step closer to the fantasy baseball playoffs. And a reminder that over this weekend, send us some of your lineup questions, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Put lineup help in the subject line. He is Scott White. I am Frank Stanfield. Thank you all for listening and watching fantasy baseball today. Have a fantastic weekend, and we will talk to you again on Monday. (laughs) Bye-bye.